Here's another inspiring message from Northside Community Church, Sydney. Teach us to pray. That was the line that these followers of Jesus asked him after they had heard him. And it's just as well for us because we've been learning about prayer and lots of ways to learn about prayer. One way is we just go through the Bible and we pull prayer about, pull prayer apart. What is it? How do you do it? What does it look like? We could do it theologically or we could do it practically. And the way that we've done it practically is that we've looked at characters in the Bible and we've looked at how they have prayed. We've looked at David's prayer for guidance, uh, Paul's prayer for experience. Last week, uh, we looked at a very different passage in Heman's prayer from pain. Uh, How do you pray when you don't even feel like praying at all? And this morning now, we look, if there's one character in the Bible that would be good to look at, and look at how they pray, it's Jesus, don't you reckon? And so we're going to look at how Jesus taught his disciples to pray. Teach us to pray, they say. That's a weird thing to say, because... If you know anything about the Jewish context they were in, these boys knew how to pray. They've been praying their whole life. They've been praying some of the prayers that we had prayed before. They would have been from the Old Testament. They, they knew how to pray. But this is like the, this is the MasterChef principle here. Did anyone see the final of MasterChef this year? People had to make some weird apple. There's always some crazy dish that takes them about six hours to cook. In one part of the dish, they had to get these things in little flower-like moulds and basically form this liqueur into a little gelatin ball so the liqueur would just spill out beautifully when you cut into the apple. Anyway, long story short, it takes like an hour and a half to do this thing and the big reveal happens where they, they bring these things out of the fridge and they, they cut through the gelatinous mass to see if this lovely liqueur will fall out and for the contestants, uh, they cut through this thing and it's hard as a rock. <laughs> Doesn't work. And part of the reality is uh, they did it wrong. They were reading through the instructions and somehow if it didn't work, they did it wrong. You know, whether you are religious or not, people pray. We've worked that out, right? Particularly in times of crisis, people will pray. And when you've prayed, I'm sure there's most of us here have prayed times when Uh, It feels like God hasn't come through. There have been times where, I don't know, you've been praying for your business, you've been praying for your health, and you've been praying for your kids. And you get to those moments where you're sort of tapping on the roof of heaven, and maybe you've got the remote control to God saying, is this thing working? (laughs) Ever felt that? Now, allowing for the ways that God does and doesn't move, we've talked that through, and we'll get an insight into that. Could it be that part of the reason why our prayers aren't working is because there are moments where we don't know how to pray. And what I want to give you this morning is I want to give you a prayer that always works. That's a good guarantee when you've come to church this morning, isn't it? This prayer always works. It's a prayer from Jesus himself. And if we're humble enough, we'd be like these disciples that say, teach us. Because until I've gotten into this, I realise there, yeah, there is something to be taught about prayer. Often we think prayer is simply talking to God. But it's more than that. Much more than that when you get into the Lord's Prayer. Martin Luther said the Lord's Prayer is the world's greatest martyr. It's constantly being tortured and abused by so many. And so few find the joy and the comfort that is within it. So do we know the Lord's Prayer? 
I'd suggest that we don't. I don't mean to be offensive, but I suggest that you don't know the Lord's Prayer. And so that's why this morning we're going to allow, I'm going to allow Jesus to teach you. There's a lot of red letters in this passage if you've got one of those Bibles. And Jesus teaches us on prayer. Jesus says, this is how you should pray. First of all, before he even gets to how you should pray, he sets up a basis for prayer. Uh, he sets up a foundation for prayer. A couple of weeks back, I went to the gym. I went and saw a personal trainer. We spent half an hour of my uh, well-spent dollars in my hour training session going through ankle mobility. It was ridiculous. I just wanted to get to the deadlifts, you know, the, just get to, get to the heavy stuff. He said, you can't do that first. We've got to work on your ankle, mo- ankle mobility, ankle mobility. Like, what's the deal with that? He says, fine, if you don't want to do it, go and have a go. So he sets the weights up for me. He says, you're doing it wrong. I'm like, what do you mean I'm doing it? I'm lift, you're doing it wrong. You lift, you lift your heel up. You're doing it wrong. What do you mean? No, I'm pulling, you're doing it wrong. Why? He says, your ankle mobility. You see, apparently you've got, to, you've got to be able to have mobile ankles in order to keep your feet flat on the ground when you deadlift. So if that is the only thing you got from church this morning, wow, what a wonderful fact. <laughs> Same principle for Jesus. He says, before we get into the heavy lifting of asking in prayer, there is actually a stance a proper stance into this prayer that you need to set yourself up for if you're going to heavy lift this thing. And so here he says it straight up. And when you pray, so by the way, he assumes that you're all doing this. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. Now, don't be like the hypocrites, he says. Now, I'm sure this is not so much for us. There's no hypocrites here. Except for me. No one else here. We always do what we say. We mean what we say. Do what we do. He says, don't be like the hypocrites. The context there was when he says, don't go out and pray on the street corners. None of you would do that, by the way, because if you did that, you'd just be freakish. People would look at you weird. We don't go and pray like that. But back then, that context was not unusual. If you were a religious person, you couldn't get to the temple in time. You knew it was time to pray. You'd run out on the street corner. You would face the temple and you would pray to the temple. Oh, Lord, sovereign Lord. Not unusual. He says, don't be like that, but go into the unseen moments where your heavenly Father sees you. He says, truly they have received their reward in full. Now we'll talk about that in a second. But Jesus says simply, quit praying to be seen. Now here's what this means. Jesus says, most of the things that you do when it comes to prayer, you might think that you were doing them for God, but realistically you're doing them for you. In other words, there's a type of prayer that's about us, visible. (laughs) Look at me, God. And then there's a type of prayer that's just about being in his presence. That's the first part of the stance. And then he says, those that pray like that will get their reward. He'll reward them. When we think reward, we think reward Australian style, like, you know, you get a Ferrari. When you grow up, reward like you get to kiss the cutest guy or the cutest girl when you're 16. Reward like it's the best career. Reward like you're going to get the best house on the street if you pray well enough. And this dovetails into what Jesus is really saying about this stance is that people can think when they move into prayer that if I can do this thing right, then God is going to give me something out of this prayer. And that's why it leads into the next verse where it then says, And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans. 
For they think they will be heard because of their many words. That word babbling there literally meant yeah, lots of words, uh, lots of petitionary words. In fact, it even meant with a, with a note of anxiety was the general theme or spirit of those words. Babbling. And, and here's what babbling means for us. This is how we pray when we babble to God. We say, if I had the right words, I can bend God's will towards my will if I have enough passion, if I have enough petition, if I have enough fervor in my prayer, then maybe I can wrestle him around where God finally says, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, okay, shh, okay, fine, fine, fine. You can have the car, you can have the girl, you can have the house. I relent. What sort of God would that be, by the way? Is that the sort of God that you would like to pray to? Jesus says, don't think there is something big enough in you that can shift my will. What sort of God do we want to have if we could shift him like that? But then it says, and here's the most beautiful part of it. Don't be like them because your father knows what you need before you ask him. He already knows. So quit the babbling. Can you see the, the basis for prayer? The, the ankle mobility is simply this. Are you moving into prayer trying to bend God's will to yours or are you ready and willing to be bent? That makes sense? Are you trying to bend God's will to yours? Are you willing to be bent? Now, after getting the basis for this approach, Jesus then says, well, this is how it's done. Once we get this basis right now, if you know how to lift now, if you're not going to lift the heels, this is how you now begin to pray. And we need to be clear on what it means. This is this is, this is how it's done. Jesus is giving us a formula, but it's not a formula that if you pray it right, you're always going to get what you're asking for. We've already established that. But there is a formula here to how Jesus says that we should pray. And if you learn to pray with this spirit, there's something in the way that this prayer is prayed, that if you pray it this way, it will work every time. That is the promise. And so here's the first thing we see. First of all, before you do anything, you dwell on God's greatness. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Now this is, this is very different from those types of prayer where it's like, hey God, how you doing? Let's get this out of the way. Let's talk about me. Our Father. Our Father means a big, majestic, great, wonderful Hallowed means holy, indescribable, unknowable, unapproachable, out of my mind, huge daddy, intimate. Notice how Jesus starts the prayer, doesn't say, our king who is in heaven, our friend who is in heaven, (laughs) our Lord who is in heaven. All, All those things would be true. He says, our daddy. Huge God, intimate, who knows us, knows you, knows I. Jesus says, don't pass over this. Stop to sit in a while to understand that, that this big, majestic, non-understandable God has invited you to address to him as daddy. And I know too, it's very difficult if you haven't had a good earthly father 
that it's very difficult to see God as your father when you haven't seen God in your father. But heavenly father means he can be trusted, he can be respected, he can be approached. It means you have my best interest at heart, Lord. It means you can provide for me. And so before you even get started asking for things, you discipline yourself to think this out and to dwell in the greatness of who God is. So here's the question, is it? How long, realistically, how long have you spent when you've prayed this prayer? How long have you spent here? Like, stop here. A minute? Two minutes? Ten minutes? I didn't want to do the hand thing. Because <laughs> if you're anything like me, and it's like my old boarding school days up there at Knox, you know, it was our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Let's just get through it and get back to homework. <laughs> and if you're anything like me, when I've stopped to think upon what this means, I realized I don't dwell enough. I don't stop. This This prayer could go on and on to invest the time to dwell upon this. How much would it change us if we didn't skip over this bit and we just stayed here for a while? Dwell in his greatness. Then we see your kingdom come. Now this means to surrender to God's will. What it means is before I get to me, God, I've thought upon you. Before I get to me, I am going to surrender to you because it says, my kingdom come, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And suddenly we come to this realization where he's got a kingdom and I've got a kingdom. (laughs) He's got a will and I've got a will. And normally it's over in my kingdom where I just realize that if everyone would understand I'm the king of my kingdom, And if everyone would just get on my agenda with my kingdom, then the whole world would be fine, right? Is that how it works for you too? (laughs) If people would just get a clue, oh Lord, if these guys over here could just, if they could just get us and me and see that we're right, then everything's going to be fine. (laughs) And yet it says, not my will, but your will be done. We pray, God, please come in, shape us. What Jesus is saying is, well, before you get to your kingdom, which we're going to do in a second, which I'm interested in, by the way, stop and sit there for enough time until you genuinely come to the place where you can say to him, your will be done. So don't move on from that point. If you can't do that, question class, how long would you need to sit here? For that to happen. Because the purpose of prayer is not to impose our will on God, but for God's will to be imposed upon us. And so we dwell on his goodness and that we can trust him. And then we surrender to his will. And so did you realize that that this is the thing that will determine how long you pray this prayer. This is the thing that will determine. Some of us will be coming to God for prayer this week with relational difficulties and financial stress and suffering and hardship and health issues. And if we're going to pray the way that Jesus calls us to pray, then we need to be sitting in the reality of our Father in heaven until we eventually get to the point where we just say, Lord, thy will be done. And I mean it. And so until you get to that point, guys, there's no point going any further. It's really simple prayer. Like just 
sit in that, acknowledge him, and until you can surrender, don't, go, don't use the rest of the prayer. You're going to hurt yourself like deadlifting without the ankle mobility. <laughs> and you know what happens when you pray that? You get rewarded. Back to the reward again. You, some of you are thinking, yeah, what is that reward? You know what the reward is? Peace. When you surrender to that, he gives you peace. That his good and beautiful sovereign will because of who he is will work itself out in my life. Now, once you get through that, there are people here saying, okay, give us the points. I want to get practical now. There's three things you then need to acknowledge. The first thing you then need to acknowledge is his provision. And then Jesus, this is the bit where he gets to the bit that we're all hanging for, isn't he? This is where Jesus gets to the part of the prayer that we all want. Give us! (laughs) Give us today our daily bread. That's the bit we want to get to. Give us. Now, Lord, uh, I know uh, that I've gotten you out of the way and I acknowledge you. Lord, yes, give us. Give us today our daily bread. Now, clearly for the Jewish readers of this and the Jewish hearers of this, this would have been absolutely clear of what Jesus was talking about here. It harks back to the Old Testament where Moses and the Israelites were wandering around the desert for 40 years. and They had no way to get food during the desert and beautiful manna fell from heaven on a daily basis. And so what this comes back to is Jesus is taking them back to this and say, look, there was a day in which you were having to clutch for breadcrumbs from the sky, but God had said to you in that moment that whilst you're clutching for breadcrumbs here, there's going to be a time where I'm going to make you a people and a nation that's so big and so great and so beautiful that people will be coming to you for your breadcrumbs. And so can you see when there's prayer for provision in here, it's not saying, Lord, give this to me. Lord, can you help uh, necessarily pay the rent check this week? What this actually is, is an act of acknowledgement of God's past provision. A declaration that, Lord, you are faithful. You always have been faithful. And so continue to allow bread to fall from the sky. And a side note too, practically for it means as well, it could mean that we are a people that are so generous in the way that we give our resources away that we don't live in our stored up barns. We call them bank accounts these days. But we don't live in these stored up barns whereby we feel safe and that we don't need God to allow his provision to fall from the sky. You hear what that means? You acknowledge his provision in your life. And so it's not a petition so much as it is a declaration as to what he's done. Provision, then there's the pardon. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Forgive us our debts is another way that it's said, as we have also forgiven our debtors. It's saying, Lord, I'm coming to a recognition that you are a good and a loving and a forgiving father. And as I'm doing that, I'm realizing, ah, dang, I'm a sinner saved by grace. And this is incredibly powerful because if you come to a recognition that you are a sinner saved by grace, what this means for you is that you can't truly pray this prayer properly. You can't pray this the right way. What this is saying is if I'm going to pray this prayer the right way, Lord, I'm going to be on my knees and I will pray on my knees and I will not get up from my knees until I have released each person that has hurt me from the clutches of my unforgiveness. That's tough. There's another pause. This prayer is going to take us all day, isn't it? No wonder it's a martyr. Help me to acknowledge my own forgiveness as I forgive others around me. Can you imagine churches, the way churches, families, and relationships, and workplaces would look like if people prayed like that? 
And so then it leads us to the last thing we acknowledge, his protection. And it says there, lead us not into temptation because we absolutely know how to get there ourselves. (laughs) But deliver us from the evil one. Many translations say that. Other translations say simply is evil. But deliver us from evil. Many of you would have said this prayer is deliverance from evil. You know what this means? It says, I'm praying to you so that I won't sin against you in advance. It's a proactive prayer. It's, it's not the sort of uh, type of prayer that you pray where it's like, you know what, I've come and I've recognized some of the sin in my life and so help deliver me from that, Lord. And so therefore I'm going to come to church, I'm going to empty my little sin bucket and then I know I'm just going to go out and keep doing the same old things that I always do. But then I'm going to come back and I'm going to pray the prayer again and I'm going to empty my sin bucket and I'm going to come back. Look, G- Jesus is saying that is, that is not the sort of prayer that I'm talking about. In fact, that sort of prayer would make me vomit. You know what that type of prayer is? Religion. Jesus says, you pray deliver me from evil when you are so sick and tired of the sin in your life that you don't want to do that anymore. And you say, Lord, give me the strength. Give me the power. Give me the wisdom to overcome this. I'm tired of it, Lord. And I don't want to keep doing the same old things. And so if we look at what this prayer is about, firstly, it's saying, God, I want to think upon you and who you are. I want to dwell in who you are. I want to surrender to you. I want not my will, but your will be done. And then we begin to move through acknowledging his provision, his pardon, and ultimately his protection from the evil one. Now, most of us grew up with the ending. Many of you sang that, didn't you? For thine is the kingdom and the power. And the glory. Uh, A lot of the manuscripts don't have that bit. People think that it's added in, but I think it's good anyway. I think it's a great declaration. (laughs) But we come to recognize now that, look, the heart of what Jesus was praying is there. Declare God's will, surrender, acknowledge. DSL, you know what that stands for? Don't start by asking. Don't start by asking. Simple as that with that prayer. That we go in and we dwell upon him, we surrender and we acknowledge who he is in his life. And the the longer that you stay in the first parts of that prayer, the better you will pray the back end of it. Because somehow the things we want, the things we need, the things we can't live without shrink in the face of the almighty God. And by the way, he says, I know. I know about your kid that's giving you grief at the moment. I know about your marriage relationship that's causing you all sorts of friction. I know the financial hardships you're in at the moment. I know the sense of loneliness. I know. I already knew that, but thank you that you came to me anyway with that, and I feel honoured by that. For some of you today, as you face these things, you grapple with this. And you, some of you are saying, well, Sam, I'm still going through this. And you said this prayer works every time. So I'm going to try it this week. And if it does not work, I hope you've got director's liability insurance. <laughs> it does work every time. And the question for you is this. Can you take no for an answer? Remember, we've kept saying this year that sometimes God knows, God's no in our life is as much as his loving of us as his yes is. 
God says, are you willing to let me use those things in your marriage and with your kids and the loneliness and the stress and the uncertainty? Can you trust me to surrender your will to this? And once we have got that sorted, that surrender, let's talk about the provision and the forgiveness and the protection. But this prayer works every single time, not necessarily because it changes God, but because it changes me. See? If you work it through that way, you move to be the sort of person that can take no for an answer. And that in many ways is the reward of this prayer, is it not? And haven't there been times in your life where you've asked God for things and you sort of sweep that under the rug and go, I'm so glad he didn't answer that prayer. (laughs) Because we don't know what God is doing in the broader context of the world. We don't know a yes to us could mean a no to someone which could set off a butterfly effect down there that's got nothing to do with his good and sovereign plan for the world. Just trust him. God says, I don't care how much faith you have. I don't care if you're the most mature saint in the world. I will not be faithed into changing my will because my kingdom is coming and my will be done on heaven, on earth as it is in heaven. And so this morning... Will you just get alone with him? Get alone with him this week to declare his greatness and to surrender your will to him. And to move to that point where you can say with a deep sincerity, your will be done. Lead us to that place. Lead us to that place, Lord, for whatever is happening for us. That we can say that with authenticity and sincerity and with peace. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and protect us from the evil one for thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Well, thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to find out more about Northside, visit northsidechurch.org.au.